like we got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. We don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. What's up? Derek Johnson, Nick Springer. This is RCST. Dude. KLWN. Dude. What are you doing? I'm going to keep having a different intro to just, just throw you, know, you off. Just because you know it. it or- <laughs> yes. What are we doing, man? Uh, well, uh, as the... Uh, Already messed up, and we're a minute into the show. <laughs> as the great DJ Khaled once said, another one, as in KU football, True. got another one. Lance Leipold is on an absolute heater right now. and yes, he's, uh, going, he's going nuts. Yeah, the, the mega visit that they had over the weekend, they now have four commits from the weekend. Who knows? Maybe there are other kids who are going to commit at a future date. Maybe there are other kids who now KU is the front runner. Maybe there are other kids who are really considering KU that haven't even committed yet that they're going to even end up with more players out of this weekend. But we talked yesterday. They had two commits over the weekend with the interior offensive lineman in Utley, with uh, the uh, linebacker in Stewart, and then the commitment yesterday, the cornerback in Alexander. Well, now they got another one today. Harry Stewart, he is a three-star running back, top 600 recruit. He becomes the second highest ranked recruit of the class so far for KU in 2024, only behind Alexander from yesterday. Had a, a, a heap of offers, to say the least. Baylor, Michigan, Texas A&M, beat out Missouri. That always feels good. That sucks, Missouri. <laughs> so he's uh, yes. from Texas. He runs fast. He's got good size. Running nice. back. Nice. Mm-hmm. Those are two... Really nice thing. Uh, yeah. He, uh, he track and, and field participant for their uh, high school as well. Number 35 ranked running back in the 2024 uh, rankings. He, let's see, got injured last season, but he had 629 rushing yards on 109 carries. That's almost six per carry. That's pretty as good. As a sophomore, he had 996 yards on 159 carries, 6.3 per carry. Um that's and obviously, good. Texas high school football is is typically very good. The scouting report on this kid, very good, that he's he's a really good one-cut runner. That'll kind of remind you of Devin Neal. Got good speed to him, good at breaking the first catch, develops well as, as somebody who can you know make defenders miss in space and uh, catches pass and everything. This just goes in line with everything we talked about yesterday, though, about the idea of like them continuing to move forward and build and build and add the next wave of talent because right now they have a really good wave of talent in there that's doing good things, doing things that this program hasn't done in a decade plus, and now they're setting themselves up well to add to it or to continue the success. So if your last name is Stewart, you you have to commit, right? If you're, <laughs> I guess if you're that's a guy true. whose name is Stewart and you're... Yeah, Ja'Cory Stewart from the weekend and then now Harry have Stewart. To commit. Yeah. I mean, I don't make the rules. Yeah. I'm... I just, you know, don't shoot the messenger. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Are we going to be able to have fun with some sound bites with his name being Harry? He's a wizard. Like, uh, ah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Is that the only one you got? Like maybe we can dub it, yeah. Maybe, well, there's <laughs> there's probably other Harry Potter clips. Maybe we can dub in, like, somebody saying touchdown to uh, when Hagrid's like, oh, you're a touchdown, <laughs> Harry. You know? I don't know. Something's there. 
But yeah, man, I mean, this went, is, we might need to get back in the lab on yeah, that. Yeah, probably. This is the second highest rated recruit in a class for KU that is now already very special. Yes. I talked yesterday about, you know, this is the first time since X, Y, and Z that they've had this many of this, whatever. Um, this is their seventh top 1,000 commit for the class of 2024. Yep. That is not, that's a number they haven't hit since 2020 or since 2014. So it's been a decade since you've been able to hit that as far as a class. And that was with like a full class, like 20 plus guys, right? Yeah. This is with nine guys so far. And <laughs> they don't even have the rankings up yet for Kamara and uh, and Stewart. And Stewart might just end up as a top 1,000 kid. So that would give yeah. you eight, so right? I, I believe that KU's class is 42nd overall in the country right now. But to your point, that's without, uh, that's on 247, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And I don't even think that includes. Some of the guys that don't have composite scores yet, like uh, Jac- I don't think Jacory Stewart has one yet. So depending on his rating, KU could jump up even further with this current class. Yeah, I think I saw Michael Swain, uh, who you know we have on the show every now and then from twenty four seven. He's been doing a great job of covering all this. Yeah, he has, and uh, he talked about how to that point that they could go up as high. I think, as, I think it was like thirty one. Yeah, yeah thirty one. Yeah. Yeah, that it could go as high as thirty-one when Kamara and Stewart are factored in. That is, yeah. so those are two guys that don't have a composite rating. I don't think right. Yet. And once they do, KU could shoot up that high. Yeah, without adding any other commits. Yeah, right. Now. No, so so what I said the other day was like I don't know that there's that big of a difference between having the you know fiftieth best recruiting class and having the eightieth best or something like that. Um, but I feel like once, once you start getting to this yeah, range, once you start getting to like the top twenty-five, that range, means something that that does matter. I think yes. And now you're talking about getting all the talent in the world. I mean, to this point, who knows how it'll finish? Yeah. Who knows who will stay committed, who will go to another school, what happens with KU success, all that sort of stuff. But just on paper to this point, you were on track to have arguably, in the recruiting rankings era, the greatest Kansas football recruiting class ever. Yep. And now if you're talking about a guy who coming develops off of, players. Coming off your best season, by right. the way, since 2009, yeah. basically. Uh, somebody who develops players, you have the donor support. You're yep. getting things fixed around, which is uh, whether it's the stadium upcoming, new stadium, right? Uh, stuff with the locker room, the gateway room. project. Sure, all as, the stuff that you're doing. As they you're getting it. investment all across the board. You're seeing the repercussions of the high school kids come in. I mean this this year to me feels like the ultimate push things forward. Is like this, last year okay. was the start, right? Is this more. Let's, I think this is the most pivotal year. Let's say, is this more make or break than last year was? I I think so. I think so because last year, last year felt like a make or break. Like if you last it was year like, just get if better. You get, yeah, last year if you won two games or three games, it'd be like <laughs> dud. Okay, so last year maybe wasn't that much of a make or break. I mean, it's still kind of was in terms yeah. of improvement. But, but if you won four last year, people would have walked away going, "Okay, improvement." Yeah, exactly. If you won four games and were pretty competitive in the other ones, I think people would have probably still felt. Fairly positively. Yeah. This but you're year, right. Now, this year, it's like... There's a lot of hinges on you it. Ha- you absolutely have to yeah. make another bowl game. Because it you feels like if you do keep that momentum going forward, then at that point, you have a streak. Now you're riding the momentum forward. Now you're keeping these recruits in tow, which can even help you further down the road. Keep that momentum going. You're keeping the the donor support and all that stuff going. Um, yeah, this, this year's pivotal, man. Yeah. This year's pivotal to keep I mean, all that stuff going. But it shows you what's happening right now in recruiting. When things are going for Kansas, when things are going for a Lance Leipold coach team, they're going to go really good, <laughs> or really well. Yeah, I don't, I don't think. I think I said this yesterday too. For as a KU fan, you have to feel over the moon about everything that's going on. Like, there's literally not one negative thing regarding 
what's happening right now with KU. The new stadium, Lance Leipold, the recruits that are coming in, the the fact that you have so many players returning from your best team last year in over a decade. Like all these things are stacking on top of each other, but to your point, you have to show up in the fall again. You have to show up in the fall and do it again. You have to show up in the fall and at worst make another bowl game. I mean, that's like bare minimum at this point, right? So the expect I mean, isn't that kind of crazy to think about though? You you go to you make your first bowl game in 15 years. And the following season, the expectation is you make another. Mm-hmm. Is that crazy to you? Is that, I mean, you, you understand what I'm saying? Like, should that right. expectation be there? I mean, it is now because of well, everything surrounding you have, it. What eighteen? I mean, if if you said any team made a bowl game, then they bring back you know eighteen starters. The expectation is obviously going to be make another bowl game. But okay. you're right yeah. from a standpoint of if you're just looking at it from a, a a wide scope of yeah, this team hasn't had that long term success of a program in a long time like to expect that to happen back to back it's tough <laughs> especially in a conference like the big 12 where everyone you're going to be playing it's is pretty, kind of to that solid. level of like yeah they could make a bowl game yeah right? pretty solid pretty solid yeah so i don't know just more exciting stuff and uh, i think the running back position continues to be in, in good hands you have a ton of running back talent right now you're gonna have more running back talent coming next year like that's obviously Which, a position that's important in this offense yes when Andy, because Andy, Andy Kolnicki definitely wants to include some ground and pound in in his offense, which is which is fine with me. That's great. Mm-hmm. Ground and pound to your heart's content. I don't care. Yeah, and you got to have running back talent to do it, and 100%. you got to have depth yes. at the running back position to do yes. it. And because they have last things. they thought they had depth, and then and then they got down to one guy in right. the K State game. Right. So you can clearly you can never have too many because you thought you had maybe too many last year, and then they were all out. Yeah. Yep. So uh, big deal, and uh, we'll see if KU has more in tow on uh, football commits moving forward. How about the uh, Denver Nuggets winning the NBA title last night? And that specifically yep. means that Christian Brown won the NBA title. So you might have seen it going around. So but he's the, the fourth a, player, I think. I thought it was the fifth. fifth. Fifth yeah. player to win a national championship at the college level and then NBA title next season. Like back-to-back, back, back-to-back. Yeah, back-to-back. yeah. I, I know Bill Russell was on there. Um, it was either fourth or fifth. Yeah, I think Magic Johnson was on there. There were some big names on there. Um, now Christian Brown. It's just really cool. Hey, the biggest name, Christian Brown. Yeah, yeah, by far bigger than any other name you can think of. It's funny, and and uh, Bill Self, Curtis Townsend were there. I think they were doing like recruiting earlier in the day at, at some event, and then they go out to that. Uh, you saw Bill Self posted on social media like could be a special night tonight. I I loved the idea when I saw that of like oh Bill Self just like us, you know, like all <laughs> yes. us regular folks posting pictures of us being at a sporting yes. event and being like oh this is and cool, if you noticed you know? he just kind of had some regular seats. <laughs> yeah. He didn't even. Christian Brown didn't even get him like yeah. courtside or anything. He just yeah. had some regular, <laughs> regular, <laughs> regular seats. I, I bet you Bill Self loved that game. It was oh a, yeah, it was a lower scoring NBA game where both play, teams were playing so hard. They were playing so intense. I think in the fourth quarter, Miami went like four minutes without scoring. Yeah, I like mean that, that, both teams. Like, is, great that a, is that an NBA Finals game or is that a Big Twelve <laughs> game in January? Yeah, I and don't that, know. Uh, Tell the me Nuggets the missed a ton of open threes that, that kind of kept it close, Dude, especially also, against the zone. They went like nine of twenty from the free throw line too. Yeah, the Nuggets Which, did. That was that was the ultimate. I I guarantee you. I guarantee you because so Bill Self and Curtis Townsend got to go down and you know spend some time with Christian Brown in the celebration and everything and there were some videos of it and stuff on KU social media. I think Christian Brown went 0 for 2 at one point. He, yeah he missed 2. He, I think he was 1 for 4 in total at the free throw line. <laughs> I guarantee you Bill Self ribbed him about it. I guarantee you Bill Self like joked with him about it being like like dude man you, you guys would have had that game one easy if you would have just hit your free throws <laughs> you know something. Yeah yeah. He probably had fun with it. Yeah but no that was I wonder. That made me think. Does Bill Self have some sort of 
gravity where he just shows up in a game instantly just becomes an ugly defensive like yeah. type of game. He just shows up and it just happens. That was funny. I mean, Christian Brown probably I, there were there were several plays too where you're watching it and you're like, oh, you know, Bill Self's loving that right there. Yeah, like some hustle plays that he's making or yeah. just you know he played well. He played well. I think he had seven points. Obviously, could have had more with uh, the free throws coming in, but he turned into a very impactful player in this series for the Nuggets coming off the bench. Um, what do you think? I, I was I was thinking about this too last night as Bill Self's watching the game. What's that? What do you think Bill Self is thinking when he watches Nikola Jokic? Oh, you know, know what I mean? Because like he's that's probably not, that's I, not typically the style of big man he would ever have. But like clearly, you watch Jokic and you're like, this guy's incredible. <laughs> what if what if he's I like, know. I gotta get one of these? Or he's like, you know, that's how we're gonna use Hunter Dickinson. We're gonna use him like Nikola Jokic, maybe. You know? But can Hunter Dickinson do like the trebuchet style? Just no, he's obviously he not as good as Nikola Jokic. Obviously, he would be. First in the of all, NBA how right does Jokic's um, arms bend that far back when he does that? <laughs> I mean, it's like a full like. He's got long arms. It's insane. Yeah, long arms. I have short arms. Mm. But you do have a good vertical. True. You probably people, have a better vertical people, than Jokic. People don't. People don't talk about that enough. No, they don't. They really don't. I mean, talk about something that's just really undercovered mm-hmm. by the media. I yeah. mean, where is the media on that? <laughs> What are, uh, what are we doing, media? Yeah, come on. No, but that that's so cool for Christian Brown. Man. I mean, you're talking about a yeah. guy who's just a winner. He wins three straight titles mm-hmm. in high school, goes to the collegiate level, might have won a championship as a freshman had the COVID yep. year not happened. Yep, or the canceling the tournament. Then he wins one his last year of college. Now he goes to the NBA, wins it all, has some big moments in the NBA Finals. Yeah, I mean, wins it all as and not just like the twelfth guy on the bench, like. Getting in and making some impactful plays. Yeah, I mean, besides, I think it was, was it game two where he it was game had three. game three where he had his kind of his best game. Yeah, he had like fifteen and nineteen minutes. I mean, yeah, uh, Murray and Jokic stole the show from the standpoint of they both had triple doubles. Yeah, but a lot of people were talking about Christian Brown, like he was the third best player that night for the Nuggets. And listen, uh, is there wait, is there night. anything is there anything bad about being a third best player on no. a team with Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic? Heck, you know how much money you're going to make in your NBA career if you're consistently the third best player on your team? Yes. You're you will make be, hundreds of millions of dollars. You will be doing just fine. Right. You'll be doing just fine. Yeah. And, and yeah, it was, it was cool to see. Uh, I think you saw it points him celebrating. He did he did the smart thing of where he went up um, as they're on like the podium and immediately carved out a role right next to the uh, trophy. So he's in uh, all the yeah. pictures right in front of the trophy. Yeah. That was smart. I think his mom was out there at the game, obviously. Well, self you and know, Clearly, he's an expert in and when it comes to trophy ceremonies, so he knows where to stand. <laughs> yeah. He knows where he needs to be. Do you think get all the cameras. Do you think for him it's like it's almost like normalized to a point where like he doesn't even get that thrill big of a thrill from winning it all anymore? He's just like, uh, I just always do this. I don't know. I mean, I maybe. That's more of a question for like a Patriots fan, I feel like. Yeah. Like what is it what did it like what did, what did Tom Brady's fourth Super Bowl feel like for you as a Patriot? Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like I don't know, I guess maybe if the Chiefs ever get there. But you know, like for me, me personally, like the Chiefs first Super Bowl will always be the greatest for me. Mm-hmm. Any other ones they win will be awesome, but nothing will ever top the first one. Right. So I don't know, maybe but but winning at a different level probably helps, right? Sure, so it's, like, it's different. Like I, yeah. I wonder if you ask an athlete to compare, what is it like? Because I'm sure in the moment, like in the moment when you win a high school state championship, it's, you never know you're going to play in the NBA necessarily. Yeah. Some guys do. Yeah. Um, but like Christian Brown at that point, I don't know that he knew he was going to play in the NBA. Like for him, was that a moment where in the end he celebrated it just as much and it felt just as good in the at the time? Yeah. That it absolutely. does not. I don't know. I personally would think that winning a national championship would be the best at the college level. It's certainly 
that's, it's certainly that's, the most just, unique and rare because that's the thing. Like, you could go to the NBA and play twenty years, and you're gonna have a bunch of cracks at, at winning the title, and you have to you have the seven game series, yeah, or even, in, or even in any sport, yeah, because it's so difficult to win, and because of the randomization of the tournament, and because you only get a limited number of cracks at it. You only yeah. get you know if you're in college. I mean, you if, could you're, be less if than you're going to the years. NBA, you're probably only getting two one tries, or two. Maybe. yeah, or, exactly. or only one. Case yeah. of Christian Brown, he he would have had three, but the one canceled, so he really only had two cracks at it, right? So yeah. that's got to feel special because it's like that puts you on such a a different list. The guy, the guys who play in the NBA who also won an NCAA title, it's a it's a limited list. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's very hard. And it's not one you can eventually be like, oh well I'll just go back, you know, I'm in my fifteenth year of the NBA. I'm just gonna ring chase and go on this team, be a role player, and I think they can win a title. You can't do that with college. So no. it, it does make it a little bit more rare in that standpoint. But yeah, I, I also wonder how much it feels differently when you're like because like we said, Christian Brown did make a big impact on this series. Yeah. I mean winning at the still, highest level obviously right. has got to feel it does. It, it, I'm sure it does, but also at the it same point feels, in time. I think it probably feels good for different reasons, though. It does, but I think being like, like, does it change where you are in the depth chart, so to speak? Like, does it change being one of the two biggest star players on the national title team versus being an eighth man on the Nuggets? Does that make one feel better than the other? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. But I do think there's something to be said about the idea of if you win an NBA championship, if you win the Super Bowl, if you win the World Series, if you win, you know, the highest level of that professional sport, I mean... The amount of confidence that has to give you to be like, dude, I am like in the ninety nine point nine percentile of the best of the best in the world at this one thing, and I just beat them. That's got to feel pretty good. Yeah, I mean, beating the best in the world. It's going to be you know? crazy too if the the Nuggets. This is the this is always the national conversation after somebody wins a title. It's oh, can they can they go back to back? Can they become a dynasty? It's like, can we just can we just let the championship breathe for a little I bit? I mean, you're a Nuggets fan. How that? did it feel for you? Oh, it felt great. Um, the fact that they had never won an NBA title. I mean, you're talking 47 years. I'll be honest. Like, you could have, 10 years ago, me, you could have told me I would never see the Nuggets or the Chiefs win the title and you in their respected sports. And you would have believed it. I would have believed it. Yeah. Because at that point, the Chiefs had lost, whatever, six or seven straight playoff games. You had the Colts loss and, and you know... And it was like, okay, this is just what it's like being a Chiefs fan. And then a couple years later, you get Patrick Mahomes, and you never expect to have not just a top-tier quarterback, but to have the top-tier quarterback, maybe the best-ever quarterback, right? Yes. And then you get to the NBA, and it's like, well, at least in football, you can convince yourself that like, even if you never get that quarterback, maybe things just align and you have that great yeah, defense. Maybe, maybe you right? get a Joe Flacco year. Sure, Joe Flacco year, uh, the other Ravens year where they have the great defense, you have the 0-2 <laughs> Bucks, right? You think of... Uh, um, I don't know, even even like to a certain extent, like the Eagles, what they would have done yeah. last year if they would have won the Super Bowl, right? Or the yeah. 49ers when, when they played the Chiefs, right? That there are those exceptions where you're like, yeah, maybe. The Nuggets one I definitely didn't think would ever happen because in the NBA, it very much has been beholden to a couple things. Uh, recently, over the past decade and a half, it, it very much became beholden to what group of stars can you line up with? And, and Denver was never going to be one of those spots where three stars were like, hey, let's go play here. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude, it sucks. You're a mile above sea level. You're going to be breathing heavy every game. Like, it no, just, thank you. It stinks. You know? It's just not It's not the, the same NBA market as, which is funny because in other sports we do, like in football, we we look at Denver, the Broncos being one of the bigger markets. But it's funny because in b- basketball, it's like, I don't know, it's like, oh, there's Boston and there's Miami and there's LA, you know what I mean? So it's just kind of funny how we view that. But, um, I never thought that would happen because in the NBA, you really do have to have like one of the top three players in the world, probably number one 
or you have to have a collection of like three like top 15 players. At least that's what it was, you know, 10 yeah. years ago. And I think over the past like five years, you've started to see that change back a little bit again. Like we saw the Bucks win their first title a couple of years ago. We saw uh, the Raptors win it with Kawhi Leonard and just having a bunch of other good players around you that you can reasonably now, I think it, it changes things the way they've gone. But even then it was like with Jokic, even when he won his first MVP. It was like, he's a really good player. He's probably like a top seven player in the world. He won MVP because he put up ridiculous stats and and all that sort of stuff. But realistically, is he going to be good enough? Are you going to have a good enough defense to win it all? And it was like, eh, probably not. That never happens for never. Then you have these injuries, Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray. It's like, eh, that's probably not going to happen. That was such a surprise and and such a fun surprise for me. Like, I'll I'll be honest, going to the playoffs, I thought they were going to lose in the second round to the the Suns. Because going (laughs) through with that predetermined mindset of like, it's just going to be in the NBA, it's usually the team with the most stars, right? Yeah, and once he gets to the playoffs. Yeah. Right. And that's what I'm saying. Over the last like five years, that has changed a little bit here. And so going into the playoffs, I was like, oh, who has the most stars? The, the Suns. You have Kevin Durant. You have Devin Booker. Like, oh, great. Uh, you know, that that's when it's going to end. Devin and, Booker uh, sucks and Kevin Durant's washed. Yeah, man. It was it, it was awesome to watch. It was also, they have awesome. the CP3 curse. <laughs> that's true. CP3, uh, yeah, DeAndre Jordan uh, was the first of the, the big three from the Clippers to win a title. So how about that? Above yeah, Blake yeah. Griffin and CP3. Yeah. He got in last night. Got a block. Did he really? Yeah, DeAndre even, Jordan. I don't even think I realized there that. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a couple of guys in foul trouble for the Nuggets that caused that. What did you think of Jokic after the game just being like, Amazing. Job's done. Job, yeah, he there were he did not care, to be clear. Um, we're doing do, do We Give a Bleep dude, later in the show. Yeah, dude. He did not give a bleep. ESPN, they were trying to cut to so many different camera angles of Jokic to try to capture him doing literally anything. Yeah. And he just stood there. Yeah. No, there was there was the immediate post-game uh, uh, interview where he was basically like, the job's done, time job's to go done. home. Yep. There was the, the post-game video. thing where somebody was like, are you excited for the parade? And he was like, dude, I got to go home. He was like, wait, when's the parade? And they're like, <laughs> Thursday. And he's like, no, I got to go home. Because he has so apparently. And then there was an interview as well with like the NBA uh <laughs> channel or whatever it's called NBA TV uh, desk afterwards and he was talking about how the reason he needs to get home one of his horses he's like big into horses very big into horses and he has he owns a bunch of horses back home and uh, one of his horses is in a horse race and it's on like Saturday ah. and so he's like I have to get home by then and so he's trying to get the uh, team owner uh, to give him a, a private jet to go home, which is like, please just give him the private jet. Well, also, like, I think he deserves Jokic, it. you make a bajillion dollars to get your own private jet. Out. Yeah, yeah, get your own private jet. But yeah, so that was funny. And then also there was the video of him in the locker room. Like you know how most people they're doing the champagne, yeah, yeah, they're yeah, shaking yeah. it up, and it's going everywhere. Yeah, he just did like one little shake, and <laughs> just like a little <laughs> splash somewhere, and he's like, ah, right, I'm good with that. <laughs> so it was it was very funny to see the uh, post game reaction there. We'll talk more about the finals later. Kevin Flaherty is going to join us. At 4.40 here, we got Do do We Give a Bleep in the 5 o'clock hour. Lance Leipold spoke with the media today. We'll share that audio in the 5 o'clock hour as well. Dude, plus the greatest segment of all time, Top 10 Little Debbie Snacks. That's right. Top 10 Little Debbie Snacks. That's coming up later this hour. Coming up next, though, we got some KJ Adams audio. We'll share that for you on the other side. This is RCST on KLWN. Depending on it. Welcome back in to Rock Jock Sports Talk. This is FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, we have uh, some college football talk. We'll be joined by Kevin Flaherty at 440. Lance Leipold audio coming in the 5 o'clock hour. Right now, though, I have a top 10 list in front of me of Little Debbie Snacks. You are aware of what Little Debbie Snacks are. I'm extremely excited for this. All right. I feel like this is going to be... Listen, a Little Debbie Snacks, they're, they're Americana. People, you know what it is. And if you don't, you do. You just don't. You just don't. <laughs> okay. Is that fair? 
Sure, I think so. Um, okay, well, with that being said, let's uh, get into the list. I do have one honorable mention, uh, fudge rounds. I just couldn't get it into the top ten. Fudge rounds. They're fine. I don't even know what that is. Well, there we go. That's why it's not in the top ten. No, it's okay. uh, basically like the oatmeal cream pie, but like chocolate version. Ah. Of. Yeah. Okay, that's oh, fine. Not on there, though. All right. Ready? Okay, yep, let's do it. Number 10. Number 10 is the Star Crunch. You know what this one is? This is not a super popular one. Yeah, I either. don't even I don't really know what this one is either. For what it's worth, I actually considered putting on Wait, I the, have you tried any of the little Debbie ice creams? Have you seen those? I don't know that I have. Well, I'm looking at I googled little Debbie and I'm on like their official site just looking at the bakery app. Uh-huh. So what's what's what is the Stardust? The Star or the cr- Star, star crunch. crunch. It's basically like a cookie with caramel. It's got like the uh, Rice Krispies on the outside to give it a little bit of a crunch. To be clear, I've never had a Star Crunch. Oh, okay, I found it. But I wanted to give it a. It looked pretty good. The picture. Of I've it, only had the top nine on this list. The, I had to get a tenth. The on picture here. of it looks terrible. I don't think I it looks think. that bad. I would never eat this. Well, I didn't want to go with like a bunch of like uh, seasonal stuff either. I mean, oh, wait, I dude, could, fudge but, rounds are good. I've had fudge rounds before. Okay, those are so put those, those in both star, star Crunch. Okay, yes. honestly, I'm fine with that. I haven't had either one of them. Like okay. I said, I've only tried put the fudge top rounds nine. in number ten. I had to get it to number ten. Number nine. Number nine is Swiss rolls. Okay. Okay. These are solid. Yeah. It's basically just I haven't like had one in a while. Yeah, it's basically just like a, a little little cake roll with some like yeah, icing like, in the middle. Yeah. A chocolate so cake like, roll. It's fine. It's like mainly what is it like fudge on the outside? Or yeah, I guess it like it's chocolatey. Like, it's almost like the the you know, on the um, Cosmic Brownies, it's like the top yeah. of that is on the outside, and then you got kind of yeah, cake yeah. in the middle, and then you got just like your your icing in the middle. It's yeah. fine. It's solid. It's like a. It's almost like a, uh, a chocolate Twinkie a little bit, but not as good. Or like a, uh, what is it? A ho 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 ho. A what? Ho ho. <laughs> is that what it's called? The, the what's the their competing brand? The uh, what what's the competing brand called? Hostess. Hostess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called a ho ho. <laughs> You've never had a ho ho? Oh yeah, they're like no. the same thing. But it's not as good. No, dude. By the way, I've Hostess had... or Little Debbie, which is better? Uh, okay. I think it depends what When it getting. comes to powdered donuts, Hostess all the way. <laughs> 100%. In other areas, I think Little Debbie's overall probably better. Mm. Okay. Let's get to the top eight. Number eight. Glad you mentioned donuts. Number eight is the powdered mini donut. From Little Debbie? Yes. Okay. The Little Debbie powdered donuts are fine. They're fine. Sure. I have done... Actually, some extensive taste testing of Little Debbie Powdered Donuts versus Hostess Powdered Donuts. Hostess Powdered Donuts are better. However, I will say, where Little Debbie has the edge a little bit is Little Debbie has the chocolate powdered donuts. Yeah. Those, I think, are better than Hostess. Well, uh, obviously, we're not and ranking against sure, Hostess. Well, I wasn't so. sure with the list. Were you, are you, are you, were you just going to group all the, the donuts together? No, this is just the all powder. The this okay, is just so the powder just in a number eight. the powder. Correct. So we might have other donuts making an appearance. Yes, that is the correct. Uh, okay. Powdered. The reason they're not as high uh, is, you know, okay. powdered donuts get all yeah. over you. The thing about it, yeah. No, I get that. The thing about eating powdered donuts is it's going to get everywhere. Yeah, it gonna, doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how careful you are. That powder is getting on your fingers. Yeah. It's getting on your shirt. It's getting on your shorts. Yeah. It's getting everywhere. And it kind of gets mushy in your mouth. It's, it's I don't know. It's <laughs> it's like eating concrete to a certain extent once you've been chewing it for a while. But I don't know. Powdered mini donuts solid in at number eight. Number seven. Number seven. This is uh, going to rub some people the wrong way, including the guy right across from me. Okay. Honey buns. Dude, honey bun should be number one. So I'll be honest. I had honey buns. Uh, I love actually, honey buns. Number I was I was between putting it at number five or number six okay. on the list. Okay. And then 
you you told me when I came into work this morning, you're like, I just know honey bun should be number one or something like yes. that. So I was like, okay, you know what? During lunch, I'm gonna go grab a honey bun because okay. I I, yeah. I feel like maybe I'm sleeping on it. Maybe maybe that you're and on you, something. You ate one. In I the ate studio. one today, and I actually moved it down. What? Yeah, I moved it to number seven <laughs> with honey buns. Well, no, to be fair, good. they have. They have like the glazed honey buns. Yeah. There's too much going on with those, I think. Okay. The regular honey buns, just traditional, classic. Okay. Now, I will say a fair criticism of honey buns. There's there's two criticisms I think you can give honey buns. Mm -hmm. Number one is that generally they're kind of sticky. Yes. So that, that's another factor of getting on your yeah, fingers. Yeah, trying to like do work on my computer. Yeah, or, yeah. So that's a fair criticism. The second fair criticism of honey buns is that if you have two honey buns consecutively, there's a non-zero chance you might die. <laughs> I mean, that thing is filling up my stomach like concrete I mean, there, right now. There's, there's a non-zero chance that oh, from fair. the sugar amount that's in it, you you might you yeah. might actually just pass away. No, I, I think honey buns are good. They're solid, but I just I feel like there's not enough there. It's almost more of a bland. Listen, I love honey buns, but I definitely don't get them very often. Well, it's the other like problem a, for it's me, like, it has to be like a spur of the moment. Like, man, I could really, really use a massive, massive sugar rush right now. Honey bun. The other problem for me is I think there's a version of it that's better. It's called the Big Tex. Big Tex. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, well, you should have it because it is a uh, oh, I, don't, I don't agree with that gigantic cinnamon roll. You have never even had it. How can you disagree with it? Because I know honey buns are better. No, no, they're not. Uh, okay, into the top six. Number six. Number six, the frosted mini donuts. So the chocolate frosted, I should say. Okay. Uh, the mini donuts. Okay. Uh, so I is this those the, the fully best. coated chocolate ones? Yes. Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Ones, I yeah. agree. The, those are better than the little Debbie powdered donuts. Yes. 100%. And you get a little bit of a different texture because the chocolate on the outside yes. uh, versus the, the inside of I it. I do like that as part of these rankings, we are including the factor of what's getting on your hands, what you know, the messiness factor of it. Because I think that is an important factor. Right? right. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. Yeah. So yeah, the, the chocolate sure. powdered donut or the chocolate glazed covered donuts, whatever, easier to eat. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. And you can house a whole lot of them at once. <laughs> like, that's one where you said you can't eat two honey buns. I could probably down, like, the entire, well, you know, you, if you get the full no, bag no, no. one. You can't eat two honey buns. You just might, yeah. you just might regret no, it. No, like, if I really wanted to, I could house, like, the entire thing of mini donuts. You think so? Easy, yeah. Okay. Number five. Number five. So this one's going to be controversial. I don't know if it'll be controversial to you. I do feel like okay. for some people, they love it or they hate it. But I feel like for a lot of people, this might actually be number one, including Nick Saban, who eats this every morning. That would be the oatmeal cream pie. Some people think this is the best one. I They're overrated, I think. I agree. Overrated. Um, but I don't really like oatmeal that much. So, I like oatmeal cookies. You know. I don't know. It's just like, it's I just, fine. Yeah, it's I, fine. no, I agree. I think it's I think it's aggressively mediocre. Yeah, I'll I be honest. Aggressively I, mediocre. If this was just for my taste buds, it might be even lower. But I do understand the respect of it that people have. Yeah. That's why I have there it in the top five. There is a certain ambiance sure. surrounding the oatmeal cream pie. It's probably one of the more famous classic mm -hmm. Little Debbie snacks, I would say. Yeah, but I so, need another texture no. in there. It's all soft and, I don't know, <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's fine. Nothing more. Number four. Number four. This is actually the top donut one. Donut sticks. Hmm. Have you had donut sticks? I probably have. I'll see. be honest. I had never heard of donut sticks until Malik Newman. Malik Newman comes in. I don't know that I actually have had a donut stick. Yeah, I, I forget what Malik Newman said exactly, but Malik Newman comes in and uh, at one of the, the yeah, preseason stole, media he stole all of uh, or no, Demonte like Graham stole all of his right. stole all of his uh, donut, donut sticks, and he was he was like. He was mad about What's it. up, man? Yeah. He was, like, pretty upset. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what? What What is this going on for? I'm going to try the donut sticks. I tried them. Awesome. Pretty good? Awesome. Love them. I don't know that I ever have actually had them. Yeah. They're really good. 
That's why I have them at number four. I think they're the best uh, of the donut. But the real problem here is that if you want to try to taste test all this stuff all at once, again, there's a non-zero chance you may not survive. <laughs> yes. You try to taste test them all at once. Yes. All right, and it's up there. Number three. Uh, number three, this one I go back and forth on. There are certain times where this one would be number one for me. There are other times where I might even have it lower than three, but they, the answer here is Nutty Buddy. The Nutty Buddy, the little uh, yeah, bars yeah, yeah. that are like wafer. Like, uh, like lady fingers, but not lady fingers. Sort of, but they're crunchy, right? Yeah, and you get the peanut yeah. butter taste in there. You get the chocolate on the yeah. outside. So, yeah, they're not a peanut are, butter these guy. These are kind of a pass for me. No, I like peanut butter. Okay. But just, nah. These yeah, don't really see, do it for me. There are times when it's like, well, I don't. Like, I'd rather get like, I'd rather get, like a Nutter Butter. That's fair. Uh, there, there are definitely times when it's like, you know, no, I want something more soft and cake-like, you sure. know, like a lot of these other Absolutely, things. Yeah. And you don't want and the And generally, like, when I'm, when I'm craving something sweet mm-hmm. or something like that, to me, in my mind, I'm envisioning, like you said, something yeah. more cake-like, something more soft, yeah. something that's not crunchy. Well, that's fair. But there are other times where you do want the crunch, and I think this is one of the more dynamic of their this snacks. This is too high, definitely. There, there are a lot of their snacks opinion. where I think it's one flavor. It's that one flavor. Okay. I think this gives you a little bit of both. You get the little chocolate. You get a little peanut butter. I would definitely have these wafer. way lower on the top ten okay. than three. What's my list? Number two. Well, okay, tough guy. <laughs> Number two, zebra cakes. Yeah. And honestly, yeah. like the all the seasonal cakes they have are basically ze- – they also have the zebra rolls. They're all yeah. like the same thing. They're just repackaged. Well, and they do like and- the – they do like the – they're actually just rolling this out around 4th of July. They have the red, white, and blue cakes, which yes. is the zebra cakes except red, white, and Different blue. Different color, right? <laughs> it's it, it all tastes the same, basically. Uh, but zebra cakes are great. They, yes. uh, you know – I think the versatility of zebra cakes is yes. really, you know. It's a light snack. Yep. You get the, the softness of yep. the cake. You get yep. the, the kind of sugar on the outside. Sometimes, though, I when feel When you like, were like eight years old, you're outside running mm-hmm. around, you come inside, boom, zebra cake. Sometimes I feel like there could be even more of the frosting, though, on the outside. I don't so know, man. If you upset the frosting more. to cake dynamic, you're playing a dangerous game. I'll just tell you. <laughs> I mean, listen, seriously. You've got to have the correct ratio of cake to frosting. And if it's off... It's going to be messed up. And in my humble opinion, having more cake to frosting is better than having more frosting to cake. Agreed. Because if you have more cake to frosting, it's like, eh, you know, whatever. But it's not going to ruin the experience. If your frosting is just completely dominating, overpowering the cake, then it's the whole thing's ruined. It's yeah, ruined. nothing's worse than you have a plate afterwards and left and over it's like, on the plate is just frosting. Yes, it's like 50% frosting. Yeah. Yes, yes. That really comes into factor with cupcakes specifically, sure. I think. But it's still important regardless of, of the situation. I do think they have room to add a little bit more, though. Think so? A little bit more. Okay. Number one. Top on the spot, though. Cosmic brownies. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what's weird? The closest we got to number one and you weren't saying them, I was like, this is going to be a Yeah. Thing. Well, yeah. it's like, if you give me the option between like a homemade really good brownie and a cosmic brownie, I'm taking the homemade brownie every time. Yet at the same point in time, <laughs> sometimes you need the cosmic brownie. The cosmic brownie... Is it's it's just everything. It's childhood in a bite. It's. Yeah. Uh, I do think most people would have cosmic brownie. I think one. so too. It's the most consistent of right. any cosmic room. brownie. I would think if we did, if we were to go out on the streets and do a poll, it's I think probably so. in most people's top I think three so. at the at the very least. Well, I think it's the most consistent in that there are certain times when it's like ah, I don't really want a donut stick. I don't want an oatmeal cream pie. The, the zebra cake. I, I don't want something. But that's you're never going to turn down a cosmic right. brownie. Right. It's the most consistent. It's easy. Easy to go after. It's delicious. <laughs> it's got everything you need in there. You get the the you know two sides of the brownie that you yep. can split it up. You get share the it with sprinkles somebody else. in there. You feel like you're you're getting more to your snack, more bites out of it by splitting up. Yeah, you get yep. the sprinkles. Yep. 
It's so awesome. it, it makes sense. Yeah. And I do think it would be most people's top three. Yeah, at least. for sure. I will say uh, the mini muffins, if you've ever had those, Dude, like the chocolate ones. the mini muffins, they put... They put drugs in there to make no, you want to eat it more. Those I'm be, telling you. Those would be top five on this list. I just didn't really count them for the some chocolate reason. I was chip, more so considering like the snacks, The chocolate chip mini muffins yeah. are literally yeah. the greatest thing on, on this earth. Those for sure I'm, would be, I'm telling I don't know, those might be number three if I was including them. Okay. Yes. Mini muffins, shout out. Little Debbie Mini Muffins. That is our uh, top 10 Little Debbie snacks. You can uh, let us know where we went wrong. At RCST 1320. Uh, but one hour down, two to go. We got Kevin Flaherty joining us in the 4 o'clock hour. Coming up next, some college football talk. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Truck Sports Talk. This is your 4 o'clock hour here on KLWN. We're going to be joined later this hour by Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports. Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, uh, do we give a bleep? And then uh, some Lance Leipold audio. Uh, college football crackdown segment here. So, um, interesting stat. 0-13. That is not right. someone's record. That is the amount of, I don't know, successes, or I guess at that point failures, of teams going for a three-peat since the poll era, the AP poll era, back to 1936. So 13 teams have tried, have won back-to-back, and have tried to head it for a three-peat. It has never Happened in the hmm. poll era. It has only happened pre-poll era. Um, I mean, that makes sense, right? In yeah. college football, you have guys for four or five years. So if you had a really, really good team for like a guy's like sophomore, junior year, junior, senior year, and then after that, you're not as good. Right. Can't win, can't win three peat. Right. Um, so that means Georgia has the opportunity to become the first to do that. And, you know, clearly that would be very... Uh, I don't know. It, it, for them to do it in this day and age, too, like, would be absolutely crazy, and it would become the most historic, or maybe the best. I, I mean, or just have to at that point, the best three-year run in college football history. We've seen other teams get close, though. We, we've seen Alabama get close. We saw USC get, you know, uh, a stop away from Texas from from possibly doing it uh, just about twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. So we we've seen teams get get close. I feel like. This is about as good of a shot as, as somebody's had on it. You look at Georgia's schedule, it's so soft. I mean, they, like how soft? Strong and ultra soft? Yes. Like soft, they, softer than that? It would be a surprise if they don't start 10 and 0. Here's who they're playing <laughs> Tennessee Martin. Who? Ball State. Okay. South Carolina in Georgia. Okay. You know, South Carolina would be decent, but don't expect them to win that. Uh, UAB. At Auburn. Wait, wasn't UAB kind of good, though, in football last year? Yeah, but they really going to beat Georgia. <laughs> uh, at Auburn. Auburn's bad. Yep. Kentucky in Georgia. Yeah, yeah. At Vanderbilt. Bad. At Florida, who... Might be bad. Yeah. Might Missouri. Be, I mean, might, might actually legitimately be bad. Yeah. Missouri in Georgia. Bad. And then at that point, you're 10-0 or 9-0. Then you have Ole Miss in Georgia, Ooh, though. I guess maybe could be kind of good. Yeah. But it's like every like decent team you're playing, you're playing them at home, it feels like. Uh, by the way, the Florida game is actually on neutral site, not at Florida. Um, and then your one big game is your 11th game of the season at Tennessee. And then you're taking on Georgia Tech. Stinks. <laughs> so, like, realistically. Dude, I hate the SEC, man. Like, they're just a bunch of clowns. Oh, best conference in college football. Yeah, best conference in dodging your opponents. Not playing anybody. Scheduling eight conference games. Idiots. Ridiculous, man. Mm. It's ridiculous. What is the schedule? Tell me how you really feel. I mean, my Little League football team could beat the schedule. <laughs> God. 
Well, that just makes it even more likely they're going to get through. Even if they lose the the one game to Tennessee. My Little League football team, we couldn't beat anything. In fact, I think in like three or four years, we won like one game. Mm. Maybe that's because your schedule is too tough. Maybe. Like Georgia. Dude, I'm telling you, man. Something's different in the water down there in Teeny, Kansas, because they had some big boys. <laughs> well, I think I they think, would beat us up. <laughs> well, Cheney, maybe they'd, they'd take on Georgia. Cheney, Hutchinson. Well, I think I think what becomes Wellington. difficult this year, when you think about the top teams around college football, I can easily, I, I, maybe not easily, but I can. you can poke holes in a lot of the top teams to where it's like, oh, yeah, Georgia's just going to win. Or you could view it the other way and be like, oh, that just means it's wide open. Because if you go across the board, you have a lot of these top teams who you might maybe have, like, quarterback questions. Like Georgia. I don't even know Stetson who Bennett who is Georgia's gone. quarterback going to be. I don't even know. Uh, I think Carson Beck, I think, is the kid's name. As you would imagine, he's, like, a former five-star recruit, you know, so Makes should sense. be good, but you never really know, sense. right? Yeah. We, we thought JT Daniels was going to be great, and that didn't totally work out at a couple schools. Um, so and then he lost totally to Kansas. Know. Yeah, he did lose to Kansas. Factual. <laughs> Georgia's starting quarterback at one point lost to Kansas. Yes. So um, Kansas, therefore, better than Georgia. 100%. Yeah. Easy. But, I mean, like, you look at Georgia, you lose some key players. They do have a lot of starters back, but you have a new quarterback, so maybe. Bama, you don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. Like, they're at their spring game, their quarterbacks did not play well. You know what else I just realized? Hmm. Looking at Georgia's schedule? Four, uh, yes, four of their first five games are home games. Yeah. They probably Wait, have no. like eight home games. Let's see. They have one, two, three, four. So their first four games are home games. No, five of their first six games are home games. Four in a row at home, at Auburn. Kentucky's at home. That's their fifth home game. Six. They have seven home games. And then one neutral And then they have the Florida, Florida game. game which so is seven home, side. four on the road. Um, That's ridiculous. Yeah. Just more ultra soft. But then I, I keep going down the list. Like Ohio State, you lose C.J. Stroud. I mean, they've they've tended to be just fine at quarterback. I would assume they're going to be as well. Do they yeah, have a Michigan problem? Load up their next whoever the next yeah. guys they have. Uh, Michigan lost some good players. They haven't been able to get over that hump of winning a playoff game. USC, like they have a bad defense. Are you really going to pick like Washington? Make that job. Uh, Clemson, TCU, like their offense is faltered. TCU's going to be bad. Years. Yeah, TCU, like. Won all these weird, fluky things where all these quarterbacks got and injured. On top of that, they lost like all their best players. I mean, that's a good question too. Like, who is going to even win the Big Twelve? I don't know. I don't know. I do. I mean, who's going to play for the Big I Twelve mean, title? I think, assumedly, you probably would pick Texas. But Texas, but how many times have we done that? No, and it I just know. Fallen? No, flat? I hundred percent. No, I listen. I don't disagree with you for one second. But I don't know. I mean, I guess who else do you take? You pick Oklahoma. Like, if you're just basing it off roster talent, then yeah, it is Texas. Yeah, it's just we've seen that. So many times. You could pick Oklahoma. Short. Yeah. If but you they were, won six games last year. If you were a loser and an idiot, you could pick Kansas State. <laughs> Kansas State to. might be the pick. But I are you really, no, I know. Are you really expecting Kansas State to win back-to-back Big 12 titles? No. Like, I don't know. No, that makes me want to throw up. Right? But they have it's a lot of the, They have, like, the whole starting line back. I don't they care. got Will Howard back. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, Will Howard. Oh, they got Will Howard back. Oh. He's good. I'm scared. I'm He's real good. scared of Will Howard. <laughs> but I guess so my point becomes, like, like name any of these teams who are supposed to be at the top. You could, you can. There's at least like one flaw in that. This doesn't feel like one of those years where. What if like, what if like uh, BYU wins it? Would that make you mad? That w- it wouldn't make me mad. It would be shocking. What if a team in their first year in the Big Twelve won it? I, I good for the Big Twelve. Is that I, good again, for the Big Twelve? Yeah, they're part of the Big Twelve. 
Wouldn't that be great? You have a, co- a team who's just won it all, and you're part of your conference. That's great. You made a great addition by adding them to the conference. No, that'd be great. I, I just, like, I don't think this is one of those years where it's like, because, you know, Alabama and Georgia, they roll teams regardless of if they have a good quarterback or not. Yeah. But if they do have a good quarterback, then not only are you rolling teams, they're rolling teams by even more, and then you're rolling <laughs> even the good teams, right? Sure. Whereas when you don't have the good quarterback, so you're you rolling think, most then, teams, but then you're playing you think, good teams closer. And you think Bryce Young sucks? No, I think Bryce, no, Bryce Young they is great. They weren't just rolling everybody they played. With well, Bryce that's because, no, but yeah, Bama wasn't like, that was a very far from peak Bama season. Like, I'm more so talking about like Bama when they had like Tua, they had like, right? Oh, okay. Or, or Georgia the past few years, right? To where I, so I, think I wonder. Sucks. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I wonder. I guess I just wonder like how much Georgia. They're still going to dominate a lot of these teams, and the schedule will certainly help them there. Yes. Um, but if they don't have the quarter, if the quarterback doesn't come in and he doesn't look like that stud right away, does that leave them open for an upset here or there? Because that's the only way to me to where I see enough uh-huh. holes in these other teams that if that does not happen, I feel like Georgia will threepeat and be the first team to do that. I mean, it's a, it's a matter yeah. of time. Eventually, somebody will do it. Why not Georgia? Well, not necessarily. Nobody has to do it. I get you're right, but so that's just wrong. I just feel like. <laughs> Now at this point, you're to a point where it would just have to take Georgia if, winning okay, one more. If Georgia doesn't do it this year, if they don't three-peat this year, will it ever happen? Ever? That's a good question. With the expanded playoff? With the expanded playoff, the 12, with the era, super with conferences. the current transfer portal era that we're in where you might recruit a five-star quarterback, but if he doesn't get to play his first year, he's going to transfer somewhere else or whatever. So you're not guaranteed. So if Georgia doesn't do it this year... Is it ever going to happen? Probably not. Maybe. Then again, there's an expanded playoffs in the FCS, and North Dakota State wins it like, what, they've won it like yeah, nine in the last 12 that, years or something? The, the disparity of talent there is larger. Couldn't you say the same thing with Georgia? No. The disparity of talent between Georgia and Alabama is not significant. The disparity of talent between, like, Georgia and, like, TCU is significant. But, I mean, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, like, those teams – the disparity of talent between those four teams is not very large. Now, obviously, there's a big gap between those teams and, like, you know, your second-tier teams of the world. But the disparity of talent between that those top-tier teams is not that significant. Whereas, like, with North Dakota State, I feel like it is with every other, with every other team. Mm. Okay, so if I gave you Georgia and Alabama versus the field this year, would you take it? Would I take Georgia and Alabama? Or would you take the field? I mean, look, if you look at the past, like, what, 10 years? If you take Georgia and Alabama, you've got basically a 50-50 chance at that point. Right? Probably even more than that. Exactly. So I think you take Georgia and Alabama and just say, screw it. Let's roll the dice. Yes, I mean, over the last, what, you're talking? Like, let's so go back go, to, like, 2012. Georgia, Georgia, Alabama. Those are the last three champions. Okay. <laughs> and you have LSU and Clemson. Okay. Then you have... Uh, <laughs> this is so stupid. I'm on a <laughs> Wikipedia page, and it has the list of college football national champions, and it has Alabama and UCF. I forgot about that thing <laughs> that happened in 2017. So, uh, nonetheless, you have Alabama. Al- uh, yeah, no, no, yeah, only Alabama. Yeah. Uh, 2016, you had Clemson. 2015, you had Alabama. 2014, you had Ohio State. Then Florida State. Then Alabama the year before. Then Alabama in 2011. So, yeah, going back to 2011, you basically have a 50-50 chance. Yeah. You say Georgia or Bama. Yeah. And uh, 
pretty much so the lone exceptions have been it's been Florida State, Ohio State, Clemson, LSU, right? LSU is kind of intriguing to me. Brian Kelly, year two. You got a lot of talent on the roster. A lot of players coming back. They beat Alabama last year. Um, that one's interesting. Clemson, I don't know that I trust the offense. Okay, just close your eyes for a second. Mm-hmm. Do you see Brian Kelly winning the national championship? Maybe. I, I actually can. Is, I, I actually answer, can. I think the answer is no. See that 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 the see it test to me precludes like Washington's being seen as like a top ten team like they ain't winning the title <laughs> or like uh, I don't know who's another team that's, wow. that's up there. Okay, close your eyes. Okay. Texas. Steve Sarkeesian hoisted no. Quinn Ewers national champion no can't see it uh uh-uh. uh okay can't I don't know could be wrong <laughs> but if but if I had told you TCU last season you would have said no to TCU and they were in they were in the title but they lost by sixty. <laughs> Were they ever going to actually hey, win hey, the title? They only they lost, by, they only lost by... by 58. Come on, man. What are you doing? I guess maybe... maybe. What are, what are we doing? I'll be honest. I think I would actually take the field. I think there is enough there with Ohio what State. What do you mean? You just you just laid out like every single thing why you should not take the field, and then you're like, well, I'm, I'm just going to take the field. Well, I was just saying in the circumstance where Georgia has... Like, in the case that Georgia, if the quarterback comes in, the Carson Beck kid, the freshman, former five-star, whatever, and he's good, if you tell me he's going to be really good right now, yeah, I'm taking Georgia. I'm going to bank on the idea that he's going to have ups and downs. Ohio State has a new quarterback, but they always they, they, they have a great system but for dude, it. They have unbelievable a down receivers. for the Georgia quarterback might be they win 38-10 mm-hmm. to 10 instead of 52-10. to 10. For sure. But, but I, what, once you get into the matter? playoff, I mean, they almost lost to Ohio State last year. I could see either Ohio State or Michigan winning it. I think with USC, I don't trust the defense at all, but maybe they can upset Georgia in a semifinal, right? Um, if Caleb Williams just goes hero mode. And then maybe Clemson, the defense is there. Maybe the quarterback that they bring in now, they don't have DJU anymore, like the whatever, I think Clubnick or something. Like maybe he's a, yeah, maybe Cade, there's, Cade maybe there's one of the other SEC teams, like a Tennessee or an LSU that. that I'm vetoing Clemson just because I don't like the name Clubnick. What's wrong with it? I just don't like it. Okay. Because I, I, it sounds like it's clubbing me. Club that's, Nick? Oh, that's true. I don't want to get clubbed. I should get a club in here. You could use some clubbing. No, um, that was a joke. Please, nobody take that seriously. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I would take the field in that situation, but I wouldn't feel great about it. I'm taking Georgia. You're taking Georgia. You would just, would you, what if it was Georgia versus the field? No, I need Bama too. Okay. What if I gave you Georgia and Washington? <laughs> well, then just give me Georgia at that point. All right, Georgia and USC versus the field. Like again, maybe just give me Georgia. I mean, USC is like a top what seven, eight preseason team. Georgia and LSU. No, LSU you said you lane. didn't think Brian Kelly. Georgia and Tennessee versus the field. Meh. Then you're basically guaranteed that division winner. Um, okay, that is true though. That's not a very good pick though because they are in the same division. So you know that probably neither. Probably if you look at Georgia and Tennessee. You know for a fact one of those teams is probably not making the college football playoff. Yeah, but you unless pretty Tennessee, much know one of them will make the college unless football playoff. Unless they're both undefeated and Tennessee beats Georgia and then Georgia's the fourth team. Yeah. That's another part of this, too. There's probably going to be two SEC teams. <laughs> how it works, right? Which makes it even more likely because then Georgia, with that soft schedule, can lose that game in their second-to-last game to Tennessee. And be fine. And still make the playoff. Easily. And they're yes. going to be fine. Yes. And so they don't have the same margin of error as some of these other teams that makes it more likely for them to possibly win. Then, you know what team we're not talking about enough? Hmm. Kansas. 
Okay, uh, Georgia and Kansas versus the field. Georgia and Kansas. All right, you're taking that? Easily. Cool. All right. Uh, Kevin Flaherty is going to join the show in about 20 minutes from right now. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in. This is RCST. You're listening on KLWN. And it's that time on a Tuesday, joined by Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports, national writer for them, as well as uh, CBS Sports. Uh, so, Kevin, there, there have been four commits to KU football. Seems like everybody's wanting to play for KU football nowadays um, over the last three days. There was two over the weekend. There was the one yesterday, the one today. The last two for KU represent their top two recruits now on the 24-7 composite rankings for 2024. Uh, I've been kind of talking about some of the uh, extremities of this class and, and how insane it is already with nine commits in tow, having so many top thousand guys, having a class that, that ranks super well and all this stuff. How, how good as somebody who maybe knows a little bit more about these kids outside of, you know, I'm, I'm more so just going off, oh, they're ranked this and it's the first time they've done this since that. But how, how good is this class? Like, is this one of the greatest KU football classes since uh, recruiting rankings have started up? Yeah, it's it's kind of appropriate that you guys led into this segment with reminisce because, you know, you, you try and think a little bit like, hey, even when Kansas is coming off the Orange Bowl, you know, even the quote-unquote Louisianimals class, which I think most of us, you know, looked at with a fair bit of skepticism, you know, for, for a time being when that was what I think it got up to like the number four class in the country, <laughs> but that was earlier in the cycle than this is. And even beyond that, I think when you look at the guys that Kansas is getting, it doesn't feel like a, a flash in the pan. Like, Hey, you know, they got this guy to commit just based on he, he came in and this is one of his first visits. Look at the offer list that some of these guys have. I, I don't want to miss on the exact figure, but, out of Kansas is, I think, nine commits. Like, four or five of them have Michigan offers. <laughs> and that's, you know, Michigan coming off the college football playoff. And obviously, guys, you know, offers mean different things. Some are committable, however you want to, you know, phrase all of that and hedge all of that. But when you talk to opposing coaches and when you talk to coaches who are familiar with Kansas's recruits who are college coaches, like, they will jump – out of their seats to praise a guy like Carson Brune, and you go and look at Kansas's, you know, commits list, and his ranking is one of maybe the lower ones there. And that's not an insult on him. You know, it's, it's some of his. Uh, he's more of a blocking tight end. I feel like he can catch the ball and he can do different things. But I think his blocking is what you look at and and you say, man, this this kid's kind of a monster, but. When you go to a recruiting class and you look at not just, hey, they've got a top guy here who's pretty good, a top guy there who's pretty good, but you look at the depth and breadth of it and people are looking at sort of the bottom of that list, so to speak, and saying, man, this guy is a really, really good football player. Uh, I think that that's what really stands out about this group. And if you look at the guys that they're going to have in this next weekend, the guys that they're having come in later in June, and a lot of the guys that, that they currently sit in, in fairly decent positions with, uh, I think this is going to be a class that's going to be very high on talent, but is also going to be very good as far as depth. Is is there, as far as the, the guys who are, are committed, uh, any of the players really stick out to you in terms of either just 
you you love the fit, you love the player, or anything like that? You know, I do love Carson Brune. I, I think he's, if you were to draw up sort of a, hey, what does Kansas want in a tight end? I, I think that he would check just about every box because he's got just a really big frame as a six foot five, six foot six guy. You know, easily has the body to get big. Is a guy that really takes pride in in the way that he blocks and is really good in that area. And yet, he's somebody that has the athleticism that you can throw those seam routes and, and throw the sorts of things that Kansas likes throwing. The guy that that jumps out the most though is Isaiah Marshall. I mean, when you look at him being the quarterback, when you look at how talented he is, all the different things that he does. You look at his 100-meter times, you know, for a quarterback, he, he's a guy that's going to be able to do everything they want him to do. He's got a strong enough arm to make every throw that they want, and then some. He's an accurate guy. He's a smart guy. He's a leader. He has the intangibles. He's athletic. And when you look at, at him committing so early, Derek, I, I think one of the recruiting truisms is that when you have a really good quarterback in your class – it makes recruiting a lot easier, and there are multiple reasons for that. One is guys just want to see that, hey, I'll have a chance to play with a really good quarterback. But a lot of it, too, is a lot of those quarterbacks themselves take an interest in recruiting. And you look at, at Isaiah Marshall. He was in this past weekend and, and was visiting with these guys, and you saw four commits. Kansas played really well with other guys who didn't commit, but – came away, you know, sort of raving about the visit. And so I think Isaiah Marshall, when you look at the talent that he is, but also the work that he's helping with in this recruiting class and what you hear from other kids about him, I think he's really the guy that that jumps out the most to me out of this group. Holistically, is there anything missing position-wise or trait-wise for this class as they look to kind of continue to add a, a few more players? Yeah, I mean they're lo- they're looking to add somebody on the defensive line and, and a few guys probably you know on the edges when you look at it and when you look at you know what they already have they don't have one committed just yet unless I'm totally blanking off the top of my head but they're they're sitting in good places for guys there and they had some guys visiting this past weekend who who have a chance to to play those spots when you look at. You know, a guy like Brinkley was uh, is a four-star guy that, you know, is really twitchy off the edge and, and came out of that visit talking about, you know, hey, he, he loves the type of family atmosphere that Kansas really has and promotes. And so you're looking at Kansas kind of swinging above its weight or at least its perceived weight a little bit at some need positions. And so linebacker was a position that they came into this class knowing they had to address. They got a couple linebackers. They may be done at that spot, but you, you really look at, you know, defensive line, I think, is the spot where they could take a tackle or two in this class. They're probably going to take at least two edge guys, if not more, and they don't have those guys in the class just yet. And so you, you say that it's missing because they don't have any commits from guys just yet, but at the same time, they're, they're kind of sitting in good spots with players at those positions. Yeah, I know a lot of KU fans will probably be caught up in the hype of these these commits for Kansas, but at the end of the day, it's, it's June 13th, so I guess what's next for KU big picture-wise in terms of recruiting? Well, I think the fascinating thing about this class is look at the four guys who just committed. You look at the class as a whole. 
they're all over the country on these guys. I mean, they've got two commitments from Arizona, which isn't traditionally a giant recruiting ground for the University of Kansas. You get Carson Broom from Iowa. You're going up into Illinois and being in play in Illinois, you know, for multiple recruits. You get the running back Harry Stewart from Frisco, Texas. You've got multiple guys from Oklahoma. You know, Isaiah Marshall is from Michigan. They're recruiting into Georgia. You know, with Ja'Cory Stewart, the linebacker, just committed from Georgia. They're recruiting well in Florida where Jim Panagos has ties. And so I think when you look at this class, they don't have an in-state commitment currently. And there are a couple guys that, that I think that they sit fairly well with, some guys that have to make some decisions and things like that. That's sort of the one thing that, that stands out to me a little bit is, hey, how will this in-state class turn out after you know they closed so well with – with Calvin Clements and Jaden Hammond last year's class. I think that's something that I'm tracking a little bit. But at the same time, I think it's really fascinating how all of the different recruiting ties here, you know, you've seen previous KU staffs recruit one area really well, or they've been perceived to be really good in a couple different areas or things like that. And this Kansas staff, they aren't afraid to go East Coast and, and you know go up into New York or, or places like that for people because of the Buffalo ties. They've got a lot of Big Ten country ties. They're dipping down into Texas. They're recruiting Florida, Georgia. Now they're going west. You know they got a couple commits from California last year, Arizona, and so I do think that uh, it's been really impressive to see the way that they've built relationships with these guys, and you're really starting to see some of those pay off, I think. What does it say about Lance Leipold in terms of being a guy who, when he arrived, you look back to his recruiting rankings at Buffalo, they weren't anything that you know jumped off the page, and that was never the idea when you brought him in. You were bringing him in to be a CEO, to be a good I don't know, game manager, to, to put staffs together, to develop players, all of things that he has done well in his previous stops and I think he's done well so far in his time at Kansas. So what does it say about, I guess, his progression or um, like like what is what is the potential here? If you're talking about a guy who is great at those other things and now is recruiting at a level to where I, I know your your colleague Michael Swain with Fog.net was, was talking about uh, about that they could be ranked as high as 31st with the team rankings uh, pretty soon. So, like, uh, what is the potential here? Are, are we talking about if you recruit to this level each and every year with his development? Like, is this a real contender for, uh, you know, one of the top five teams year in and year out in the new era of the Big 12 in a couple years? Yeah, I think that that's, that's on the... Uh... Uh, I think that that's on the table. I, I think the thing that's going to be really interesting to see is where the momentum goes on the field. And I think Lance Leipold would be the, the first one to say that because right now Kansas is a program that's coming off its first bowl berth, you know, since, since Moby Dick was a minnow, as a friend of mine would say, <laughs> you know, they're, they had college game day. They sold out several games. And so, you know, Kansas very much, you know, is striking while the iron is hot right now. And when you look at this season, uh, you know, there are people who say, well, what's going to happen if Kansas goes 4-8 and eight or whatever? I think an interesting question or an interesting, you know, sort of addendum to that is if Kansas repeats, if Kansas winds up being this sort of 6-6 six and six to 7-5 and five type program, 
is there still going to be that sort of energy and buzz around it, or are people going to just kind of say, hey, this this is what it is now? And I think that there are reasons to believe that Kansas can recruit at a higher level, stay at a higher level. I think the relationships are a really big thing with this staff. I think that's why you're seeing sort of a recruiting boost now as opposed to, you know, Lance Leipold just taking over and then all of a sudden dominating on the recruiting trail. Like you see, you know, Hugh Freeze take over, for instance, and, you know, sort of there's this immediate buzz on the recruiting trail because Hugh Freeze is there. You aren't seeing that in this case. This is more, hey, we've been tracking these guys for a while. You know, Kansas has been recruiting Harrison Utley you know, probably as long as anybody has. And they built that relationship, and and that's why Harrison Utley committed. And so I think that it doesn't seem like a flash in the pan because those relationships are, are only going to grow as they're allowed to continue to build them. And I think even beyond that, even if Kansas, I don't want to say doesn't succeed, but even if it doesn't, you know, full-on capitalize on this current momentum, You've got reasons to be excited, right? Like you've got the facilities improvements. You've got the Memorial Stadium upgrades. You've got different things that I feel like are going to continue to generate buzz around the program if they are able to have some success on the football field. And so I I do think that this is something that, that is somewhat maintainable. We're talking with Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports. One of your colleagues there, uh, Chris Hummer, wrote a piece on the 100 true freshmen who are going to impact 2023. There weren't any Jayhawks on there. And, you know, when we've been asked before in our mailbag, like which incoming true freshman is going to play the biggest role? I think it's tough this year, but I'm going to ask you that same question. If I told you that an incoming freshman for this KU class plays at least some sort of a role for this year's team, who would that, that who, who would you guess for, for that answer? Yeah, and this is going to seem like kind of a a weird pick, but I would almost say Johnny Thompson, just because, you know, you've seen the the Kansas running back room get banged up a little bit, one. And two, Thompson's a little bit different kind of back than they've currently got in their room. You look at at some of the the touches that they kind of get Tory Lachlan, you know, out of the backfield as a receiver and things like that. Johnny Thompson's a guy that has some home run ability, and so – when you when you look at him in that backfield, when you look at the way that they generate carries for so many players and sort of the injury history at that position, you know, I, as much as I would love to say, you know, hey, this defensive back is going to plug right in, he's going to change the defense or, or whatever else, one of the good things about the way that they've filled out this program is Kansas is one of the most experienced teams in the country, and so they don't need somebody to come in and play a major role right away. But I do think that if you're saying, hey, one freshman is going to play this year, who who would you predict? I think Johnny Thompson's probably about as safe a bet as you could ask. Yeah, that's, that's been kind of the answers we've given just because they had all the injuries too with the uh, running back position yeah, sure. during, during spring ball. Okay, as we do uh, every week, who is uh, the prospect of the week for this week? Yeah, I always try to to keep it somewhat timely with you guys as far as in-state guys. And a guy that I'm really excited to see uh, is an offensive tackle out of Blue Valley Northwest. You know, I've I've actually seen him play basketball, and and that's Andrew Babalola. You know, he was at Pembroke Hill, transferred over to, uh, to Blue Valley Northwest. Doesn't have much in the way of, hey, you know, this guy's been on the football field or anything. 
But let me let me just put it to you this way, Derek. If he walked into a room, you would say, "Okay, that's that's a Division One football player. <laughs> he's you know probably six foot six, six foot seven. You know, he's an offensive tackle. He's probably two hundred seventy pounds or so. One of those guys that when he shakes your hand, he tickles your elbow. You know, he's just got those <laughs> like really giant hands. He's got you know." Mammoth speed and everything else. And he was a good enough athlete that he was playing travel basketball. And so he checked so many different boxes. And there were different schools who came through Blue Valley Northwest who wound up offering Babalola without really seeing him on a football field. That's the type of, of impressive presence that he has. Kansas State and, K, and KU didn't offer they wanted to kind of see this guy on the football field, and that's why I bring him up. He went to K-State camp over the weekend. That was their chance to kind of see him and get their thoughts on him. They offered him pretty much immediately <laughs> after watching him you know, run around and do drills and things like that. He's scheduled to be at Kansas camp tomorrow, and so it would not surprise me at all if you were to ask me right now and say, okay, who's going to be the next guy that Kansas is going to offer if it's not this 2025 offensive tackle after they actually get eyes on him tomorrow. And so Andrew Babalola, I think Kansas is uh, is probably going to wind up joining the the herd and offering him after uh, after seeing him tomorrow. And uh, he's a he's a really interesting talent. He's getting a lot of big offers, you know, before he. He really stars on a varsity football field, and so he'll be one to track. And I think we've already got him as a as a four star prospect for for 2025, and, and so he'll be uh, he'll be a really highly recruited guy once that tape gets out and uh, and meets the rest of his measurements and everything. Uh, that's a great one for this week. He is Kevin Flaherty. You can check out all his work, 24-7 Sports. Just wrote a piece on some of the most highest-profile transfers in, in all the different sports uh, going down over there. You can check that out along with all the rest of his work. Kevin, I appreciate the time as always, man. Have a good rest of your Tuesday. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. That's Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports, CBS Sports. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. That'll do it for this hour. Two hours down, one to go. We have another episode of Do We Give a Bleep? We also have some Lance Leipold audio. We'll get to you all that in the 5 o'clock hour and more right here on KLWN. Depend on it. 5 o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We'll get to uh, Do We Give a Bleep in a moment. We've also got some Lance Leipold audio we need to get to. Big news of the day, Harry Stewart committing to KU. Three-star running back, top 600 overall. Uh, really big get and continues a, a trend of KU football landing all sorts of guys here recently. Yes, and he is the he becomes the second highest rated recruit in this class. So uh, you now have seven guys in the top 1,000, I believe, out of the nine total you've signed or you have committed at least, uh, which is huge for Kansas. And it just it it just serves as a springboard for KU to continue moving forward, right? And and I think it just goes to show that. You've got a guy in Lance Leipold who clearly understands what is required, what you need to do in order to build a program. And that's really what he was sold as when he was first hired at KU was this guy's a program builder. This is not a this is not just a, a simple flash hire like like Les Miles. This is not a simple, you know, oh, we just tried to whoever, whatever with some of the other hires that KU has made. This was a hire that was this is somebody who's gonna come in and build the program. And we already saw some of the fruits of that labor. Last season, with the success Kansas had, they're bringing a lot back from that last team. 
And now you're seeing that even more with what they're doing on the recruiting trail, because that is obviously an integral part of building a program is that you have to be able to recruit and develop talent. We know Lance Leipold can develop talent. We've seen it. Now we're starting to see the recruiting side as well with his staff of bringing in some higher level players. Uh, that's very, very impressive. And clearly they are dedicated. Clearly they, clearly they are committed to doing that 24-7, 365 to, to elevate the the program for KU so uh, it's it's fantastic for Kansas and I think it only serves to just continue to build the the continued excitement surrounding this program heading into uh, another season and there's a lot to look forward to for KU yep very well said uh, so we talked plenty more about that in the open you can check it out on the best of RCST podcast talk some about it with Kevin Flaherty in our last segment here which you can hear again on the RCST replay coming up uh, the other big news from the weekend that uh, or I guess yesterday from that uh, we we haven't necessarily gotten to. Uh, Nick Wood is the new head coach of the uh, Lawrence High basketball team. So yes, uh, now both schools have that role filled. Yeah, and uh, so Mike Lewis was the previous coach. He, I think he stepped down, and so there was an opening there. And you know, I think high school basketball in Lawrence is something that a lot of people take a lot of pride in and want it to be successful. And so now that you feel like you've got a couple of coaches that. Uh, are coming in and hoping to 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 kickstart Free State and Lawrence High because Lawrence they made the state tournament Free State didn't uh, and so we'll see what what that what continues with uh, with those those hires yeah for sure all right well with that being said uh, we have to get into another edition of Do We Give a Bleep so let's do it right now here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk uh, first up for Do We Give a Bleep. The Hall of Fame game has been scheduled for August 3rd. It is the New York Jets with Aaron Rodgers now on the team against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I kind of give a bleep. I feel like for all the despondence of, oh, we got to wait so long for football. Oh, what are we going to do with over the summer with football? I feel like I'm obligated to give a little bit, a little bit of a bleep of like, okay, now you have a cert- now you have a specific date that you can be ready for football, that you can watch football. So that's that's kind of cool. You have a you have a now you have a target date, right? Like mm-hmm. you already you know you're in dark times with no football, and now a destination has been placed. You know what day you have to survive to make it to August third. You can just make it that far. You're golden. So that's kind of cool. Uh, I I think obviously they wanted to get Aaron Rodgers out there. I'm sure as quick as possible, so they make the Hall of Fame game. That makes sense. Uh, do I really give a bleep about the game? No, but I'll give a little bit of a bleep. <laughs> What? What are you laughing at? I just, uh, you're basically saying I don't give a bleep about the game, but I do give a bleep a little bit. Like, no, I don't give a bleep about the teams specifically, like the game specifically, yeah. but I give a bleep about that now you have a set date okay. that football is back. That's just what it means to you. It's what it yes. signifies. Yes. That's fair. I, I I can understand that. Yeah, because I, I don't give a bleep at all about the game. I won't be watching it. I can tell you that much. Um, But yeah, I guess it does mean football you're not gonna is watch, closer. You're not going to watch one second of the game? Probably not. Really? Probably not, not. One play. Probably not. Wow. I'd rather shocking. do a lot of other things. I'll definitely watch like the first quarter, maybe. Mm. Or something like that. Alright, go for it. That aim. I'll I'll power to you for doing that. Uh yeah, no, I don't give a leap though. <laughs> Very much. So uh the US Open is this week. It's happening in Southern California, I believe in uh, Los Angeles. And Rory McElroy, who was one of the biggest uh outward detractors of the yep. live golf. Brooks Kepka obviously left for Live Golf. They are in the same group at the U.S. Open. 
Yeah, okay. I I kind of don't really give a bleep about this because I feel like, is it not classic golf to where you have these guys in the same group and they're just not even going to, nothing's going to happen, mm-hmm. right? Like, the the anticipation yeah, of it is like, fight each other, exactly, right? the anticipation is like, dude, these guys are going to like totally fist fight each other because they, you know, whatever, right? It was like, uh, the same thing happened with uh, a couple years ago. It was Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau yes. had like this battle. And they got put in the same group for some event, and literally everyone was like, oh, dude, no way, they're in the same group. Like, everyone was freaking out about it. And then absolutely nothing happened. So that's why I don't give a bleep, because I know nothing's going to happen. Right. I give a bleep about the U.S. Open. I'll be watching a lot this weekend. I'll be looking forward to that. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, but yeah, things I do not give a bleep about is them being in the I, same pair. I, I don't know, expect anything to happen. They're not, right? no, they're not, you know, they're not even going to say anything to each other. Nothing's going to, there's not, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Right. So that's why I don't give a bleep because I I already know that it's just it's a it's a PR ploy by the PGA or whatever to put them in the same or I don't know how it works how they get them in the same group but the point is is that it doesn't nothing's gonna nothing's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, how about this one? Uh, Kylian Mbappe, one of the best players in the world of soccer, he wants uh, out of PSG, his current club, and Real Madrid is ready to strike. He also wants to go to Real Madrid. Yeah, I, I don't really give a bleep about this one. I gotta be honest. I'm sorry. Like, I, 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 I come on this show and I talk about soccer, and I don't, I don't have any problems with soccer. Soccer is fine, whatever. But I'm not an active fan, especially when it comes to like overseas soccer. I'm sorry. So I just don't care. Mm. I don't care. Now, what, I, where I do care is like, as it pertains to like the World Cup. But obviously, this has nothing to do with the World Cup, so I don't care. Sorry. Okay. I do not give a bleep. I do give a bleep. I think this is a very big move that could alter, you know, uh, a lot of who wins these Champions Leagues and stuff in in the soccer world. I mean, this is one of the five best players in the world in his sport, and it's going to be a lot of money involved. So, yeah, I I do kind of give a bleep. How about this? Netflix has a series called Quarterback. Very generic. You'll never believe what it's about. (laughs) Coming out on July 12th, and the first trailer is coming out tomorrow. The series features Patrick Mahomes, Kirk. Cousins, what? And wait, Marcus Mariota? Do we have that right? Yes. That is quite the the drop between going from, you know, it's like the. Dude, yeah, when you see the graphic, if you go on Twitter, I think the NFL actually tweeted out, you see the graphic and it's like Mahomes and then Kirk Cousins. And you're like, it's it's that thing where it's like, where you're like, yeah, woo. And then you're like, wait, 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 what? And then it gets to Mariota and you're like, like, dude, really? What? Couldn't get anybody else. No offense to those guys, but you know. So you know, uh, did you watch that F one show? That Netflix no, I did, never did, but I did watch Full Swing, the golf one. Yeah, so I'm assuming this is basically what they're doing. It it's is the same thing here, where they're, it's just going to be an NFL quarterback. So I mean, I'm like semi interested. Uh, yeah, I would have been. I, mean, se- if I don't it, know if it was just Mariota, Kirk Cousins, and then like I don't know, pick a, a different third quarterback, um, Matthew Stafford, for instance, like. I would probably watch it. There's not a lot going on. I've caught up on a lot of the TV shows I've been watching. Like I would, I would tune into it, but it could be a show where I might just have on at times during the background and not paying attention. The fact that Patrick Mahomes is in there and they're gonna have video from a season in which they won the Super Bowl. You gonna watch it? Oh, a hundred percent at that point. So I'm, I'm actually. Yeah, I, I, give, well, I, do, I give a bleep. I do know that the average fan or people like you know average people, I do know that they eat this stuff up. They eat this kind of content up of like behind the scenes and like it's cool yeah. to see you know how that stuff works. So I'm sure a lot of people do give a bleep. I haven't watched the F1 or the full swing thing to this point. I, I don't know that I ever will, to be honest. Like, I don't know. I, I'm not trying to like be intentionally like a Trey and like, oh, I don't care. Like, I don't know. It's it's cool and I think it's fun, but like I don't know. And even with even with this quarterback show, like 
I'll, I'll probably watch it for my homes, I guess, but I don't know, maybe. But anyways, the point of this is that the first trailer is coming out tomorrow. Do you give a bleep about the first no, trailer? No, I don't care about the first You'll, trailer. You'll, I, just <laughs> give me the show. Give me the show. Okay, that's fair. Uh, do we give a bleep? This from uh, Ian Rappaport. Bills coach Sean McDermott told reporters that receiver Stephon Diggs is not a mandatory mandatory minicamp and said he is, quote, very concerned, end quote, about it. Yeah, this is weird because then there was a bunch of counter... Did you see the counter reports that yes. came out after this? It was like immediately after that quote, there was like a bunch of reporters that swooped in and were like, oh, wait, actually, no, he was there and did like... Medi- like I thought it was. I thought that was really weird that there was like immediately a bunch of counter reporting. Which I, which is just kind of strange. But I don't know yeah, if there it's was even like, more strange because you literally have the quote from him where he's basically like, "Yeah, I'm very worried." So like, if he's yeah, there, I, why yeah, would I, he be worried? I, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what to make of this. Uh, I guess I do kind of give a bleep just to see kind of how it plays out, sort of. Uh, but I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm more the the main reason I give a bleep is just because it kind of turned into something totally different after the comment was made, and like, I don't know if there's something else going on there. Like, is there like, is it like? Is he is Stefan Dix disgruntled? Is there some kind of injury like situation? I don't know what's going on. If you remember, he was disgruntled to finish the season. He's been disgruntled before. So I know. Yeah. Certainly something to keep an eye on. It would be crazy. What if they like traded Stefan Diggs and then signed DeAndre Hopkins or something? Uh, that would be wild. But yeah, I don't really give a bleep right now. Last one we got here. All of the Avatar sequels have been delayed. Avatar 3 is now end of 2025. 4 is end of 2029. Avatar 5, end of 2031. Okay. What are we going to do? I can't believe how no. <laughs> I can't believe how ridiculous it is that they have the date for Avatar 5. <laughs> December like this- 19th, 2031. <laughs> Mark your, like, is that not the most ridiculous thing? Uh. This is the equivalent of when you see, like, Michigan has announced mm-hmm. this, a game against Ball State for December of, t- or November of 2034. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is the same energy yeah. right here. Like, what? Except this is worse, because I actually <laughs> might watch the Michigan Ball State game. I will not be watching this. Uh-huh. Like, like, dude, what? I don't. I. I literally yeah, don't I give, understand. I, no. My brain can't even wrap around the fact that they have that scheduled out that long. Zero bleeps. So bleeps I. Yeah, mind. I don't really give a bleep. One thing we didn't talk about at all today. I don't know. Do we give a bleep about this mm-hmm. real quickly? Uh, it's Chris Jones not yeah. showing up for the Chiefs. Minute I do give a bleep about, give that. A bleep about that. I don't really care that he's not showing up for itself. It's what it means. It's the fact that it means they need to give him a bigger contract, and yeah. I want them to. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm not really reading into it too much. This is just one of a many list of tactics you can do as a player to try to speed up the process of getting a contract. So um, there's no reason to be concerned. There's no reason to think anything other than Chris Jones just waiting to get his contract. Yes, agreed. All right, here's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. we got some Lance Leipold audio coming at you next. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN in Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.